Friends, just lift your hands to God. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you have already done. Lord, the victories that are established by the name of Christ and the work of the cross. Jesus, I thank you that you've led each one of us here for a reason today. You've got an incredible plan for our lives. And God, I thank you that none of us will leave this place without encountering you in a life-transforming way. Lord, your word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish the purpose you set for it. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. Come on, let's give Jesus one more big, big shout of praise. All right, friends, why don't you um, take your seats? I just want to introduce my son, Samuel, who's with me today. Samuel, do you want to just say hi to everyone? Just turn around and wave, my handsome boy. Well, it is an honor for me to be here this morning. It feels like home. I was chatting with Liz and, you know, I've been here with Andrew a few times and, you know, it was home for me for a, a long time, but um, Balmain is the place where I met Jesus. It's the place where I found church and got connected. And I just want to thank you for placing a stake in the ground. It is a bit like bedrock sometimes, the inner west of Sydney. But um, because of your faithfulness, because of your commitment to God and building his kingdom, your commitment to the love of Christ and demonstrating it to people, it's people like me whose lives have been changed. I'm a recipient of what you're doing here in this place. And I just want you to honor your incredible pastors, Pastor Ward and Nicole. Just take a moment because this is, this is their work. I am you know, blessed by who you are and what you're doing and passionately observing from not too far a distance, but just cheering you on because um, this is personal for me. But um, I just want to ask you a question this morning. What is your theme song? What kind of soundtrack have you got playing in your head right now and throughout your life? And I'm not talking about that secret Justin Bieber playlist you might have going on. What I'm talking about are the thoughts that consume your head and fill your heart. This is really important. You know, what do you believe in your heart? What kind of voices are influencing your mind and your decisions? See, it says in Proverbs that we need to guard our heart because it's out of our heart that all the issues of our lives flow. And see, we think about this, it, it actually makes sense. See, what we believe in our heart actually determines what we think about. What we believe in our heart also determines the way we feel about what we're thinking about. And it's the combination of those two things, our thoughts and the way we feel about what we're thinking, that determines our perspective, the way that we see. And it's on that basis that we make choices, our behavior is influenced, and the way that our lives look is determined. What starts as this little invisible belief in our heart becomes a demonstrated reality in our lives. What's your theme song? What do you believe in your heart? See, there's um, a movie soundtrack that really demonstrates this. Because, you know, there's reality... And then there's our perception of reality. Two very different things, right? So sharks are reality. I saw someone holding up a shark tooth on the news last, last night. Did anyone see that? Someone had a close encounter with the shark, had the, the tooth to prove it. Sharks are real. 
But then there is our perception of sharks. Sharks have never been man's best friend, right? But then there was a movie and its soundtrack came out, and you probably know what I'm talking about, that forever changed the way we perceived the reality of sharks. Does anyone know what that movie and that soundtrack is? Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> Two simple notes. There's blood in the water, right? Reality of sharks overlaid with that soundtrack of the Jaws theme music shifts the shark from a threat to a death sentence, to an unbeatable man-eater. Are you with me? Because you know sharks are real, but swimming with sharks is not a death sentence. Every time we swim in the ocean, we are in fact swimming with sharks. The ocean is a shark's natural habitat. But how many millions of people swim in the ocean every day and have no encounter with a shark, right? What an incredible tragedy it would be if we never uh, dove into the dual seas out there and experienced the ocean. You know, I have never seen the Jaws movies. And the reason is I've got a really great dad. And I grew up on the south coast of New South Wales, a bit... um, half an hour south of Wollongong, and my dad would say to us, I've got four sisters, he would say, the ocean is a tremendous gift from the Lord, and I want you girls to get out there and enjoy it. I can't have your heads filled with that Hollywood rubbish. (laughs) My dad doesn't have a lot of time for Hollywood rubbish. But, you know, even though I've never... um, seen the Jaws movie. That soundtrack has followed me like I'm so familiar with the soundtrack. My children who've never seen the movie know the soundtrack. Do you know what I'm talking about? 40 years later, it's still influencing us. And see, just like the Jaws soundtrack, the soundtrack of fear has an insidious way of permeating culture and influencing our perspective, determining the choices that we make. Earlier this year, we were on a holiday on the north coast of New South Wales, and Sammy and I were um, having a swim in the surf, and we were quite far out, but I could see Andrew on the beach, and he was waving at us, and even though we were quite far away, I could see all the colour had um, come out of his face. And in my mind, I hear the Jaws theme (laughs) music. Do you know what I'm talking about, Derna? leads me to one conclusion, get out of the water or die. So Sammy and I caught a wave into the the shore and got out of the, the water and we looked out and we saw there were fins in the water, but they didn't belong to sharks, they belonged to a pod of dolphins. Not man eaters, man's best friend in the ocean, right? The golden retrievers of the sea. But, you know, that's the thing about fear. Not only does it cause us to see every threat as a death death sentence, it causes us to worry about things that aren't there at all. It causes us to view friends or allies as enemies. You know, we have got a really great father. And our lives are tremendous gifts from him. He wants us to get out there and enjoy our lives. And he cannot have our heads filled 
with rubbish. And C3 Roselle, I am here today to tell you that fear is rubbish. Fear is a ripoff. Fear causes us to be huddled up on the shore, worried about nothing, when we should be out there in the surf swimming with Flipper. Come on. Can I get a yes and an amen? John 10, 10 tells us that the devil is real. He has an agenda. It is to rob. It is to kill. It is to bring destruction. There are sharks in the water. But we do not need to be afraid of the devil. We do not need to be afraid of sharks. Why? Because Jesus came to bring life and life in all of its abundance. We don't have to fear because of Jesus. God has got an abundant life for you, friend. He's got an amazing life beyond our comprehension. There's one thing that stops us from taking hold of it, and it is the soundtrack of fear. And we're going to address that this morning because it's important. On the other side of that river of fear is an incredible, abundant life and people who are going to meet Jesus. And see, there is a story in the book of Joshua about um, God leading his people out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He's led them through the wilderness. They're now standing on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to cross over into Canaan, God's promised land of abundance and blessing for them. But as they stand on the banks of the Jordan, they look across and they see fins in the water. They see giants in the promised land. And so they begin to freak out. At that point, whose voice are they going to listen to? Will they listen to God's voice, his promise of blessing for them? Or will they listen to the voice of the giants? And they begin to listen to the voice of the giants. They see fins in the water, hear the, the jaw soundtrack, and that leads them to this conclusion. We cannot cross that river and take that land. There are too many giants. They're too big. We cannot overcome them compared to them. We are tiny grasshoppers, and we have also become grasshoppers in our own sight. Grasshoppers. Have a look at the person next to you, and they don't look like a grasshopper, right? Tell them, you are not a grasshopper. See, that is such an interesting perspective for God's people to have about themselves when the reality was completely opposite to that. See, this is the way those giants actually saw God's people. Forty years later, Joshua sent scouts into the promised land to get his finger on the pulse of the way things were and what the giants actually thought. And one of the scouts has a conversation with one of these giants. This is from Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. And this is what the giant said. We are all afraid of you. <laughs> Everyone in this land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og. Come on, those two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted with fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. 
For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. C3 Roselle, God is famous. Come on. There is not a giant we will ever meet in any boardroom, in any hospital ward, on the internet or in the media, in any relationship or behavior that we battle who does not know who God is and whose heart is not melting with fear at the sound of his name. From the moment of our divine rescue, the parting of the Red Seas when Christ enters into our hearts and we're forever separated from the power of sin and death, every giant who opposes our freedom knows its days are numbered. If we will just commit to the journey with God, remember God's promises and keep listening to his voice, those giants must leave. And the reason, yeah, you can give God praise. The reason is simple, friends. See, we might sometimes forget who God is. The Lord, friends, he is our God, the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth beneath. But those giants haven't. Forty years later, and they are still talking about God's divine rescues and his miraculous provision. Friends, the seasons and circumstances of earth change. The details of our lives change. Our feelings change. God does not change. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever your past looks like, you need to know that God's promise for your life still stands. And it is abundant life. His promise trumps every other agenda. So what is stopping us? What is stopping us from diving in and taking hold of everything God has for us? What are we so afraid of? You know, I thought we'd just take a moment just to talk about some of these fears because the Word of God tells us that we will face nothing that is not common to man. So these secret fears and battles we hide in our heart, well, they are actually common. The fear of man, the fear of other people's opinions, all the agenda of society, the hurts and agendas of other people that they try and put on us, the expectations, those voices that come against us with accusation and try and bring us down. You know, the, those voices that try and tell us that we can't do it, that because of our past that we're limited. The fear of failure. How about that one? Our own personal insecurities and that spirit of perfectionism. If I can't do it all, well, then I might as well not do anything. We look at other people and compare ourselves and think, well, they've got it together and they're so amazing and I'm so inadequate. So we don't do anything. The fear of no financial security. That's a big one, right? But who's going to pay for this? Where will the money come from? That voice that tries to convince us that our security and provision come from money and not God. The whispering voices of doubt. And those feelings of inadequacy that overwhelm us. 
Friend, those voices are real, they are common, and they're not just going to go away. There is only one way to deal with those voices, and it is to call them out and stand your ground. Because those giants that look so menacing and threatening are in reality no threat to us at all. Let's get that verse again. It's still up there. Joshua 2 verse 11. By their own admission, all those things that we fear, all of those giants, they lack the courage to fight. Come on. They lack the courage to fight. It's a setup, friends. We have been set up. C3 Roselle, God has set you up to win. Christ has positioned us for victory. So what is stopping us stepping into the abundant life Christ has called us to when it is victory, not defeat that is certain with God? Come on, give Jesus some praise. So where does it come from, this lie of defeat that invades our perspective and destroys our hope? Not God. Christ has made his victories accessible to every person with just the tiniest fragment of faith. We can speak to those mountains and they must move. You know, right now you are facing some big mountains, everyone individually, corporately, We may not be able to pick up the mountain, but we can all pick up a mustard seed. Come on, what does God say? Pick up faith. You know, the testimony of the giants themselves is that they cannot oppose us. They cannot um, beat us. They cannot stand against the power of God that is within us. They just don't have what it takes. Friends, Christ's victories are established Jesus has already won. But that doesn't mean we don't have to fight to see those victories come to pass in our own lives. Along the way, there are delays. There are setbacks. Opposition comes. We we get hurt, disillusioned or disappointed. And we begin to shift that voice of who we're listening to. We start listening to the voices of the giant, listening to the voice of hurt or offense, listening to disappointment. And the voice we listen to determines the way that we see. Just like God's people in the Bible, they began to illuminate the voice of the giant. And when we focus on our giants, not only do we, or our problems, not only do we elevate them to giant status, we also diminish our own stature. They said in Numbers 13 and verse 11, we have become grasshoppers in our own sight. Israel's fiercest warriors, Israel's most capable leaders, see themselves as grasshoppers. Friend, it was not God's voice causing causing them to see themselves that way. So whose voice were they listening to? And so God had to take his people on a slow, circular journey through the wilderness until they arrived back 40 years later at the precise location on the banks of the Jordan River. Because, friends, our journeys through the wilderness are never about changing our geography. 
they're always about changing our world view. Friend, it is not a change in job, a change in spouse, a change in career that you need to focus on. When we change the way we see ourselves, our external lives change. It is as simple as that. It's a change in perspective that we need. That is all it is. And to change our perspective, we just need to change the voice that we listen to. Are we listening to that voice that's come to rob, kill, and destroy? Or are we listening to Christ's voice that promises us abundant life? You know, I at the end of last year, have been, had been fighting a battle for a really long time on a number of fronts, and it just got too much. And I know that it will probably resonate with some of the journey that many of you have been on, just attacked online, attacked with other ministries, like questioning motive, questioning your character, questioning all of these kinds of things. And I just remember saying to God, I know that I've heard you. But can you tell me, why is this so hard? And God spoke straight into my spirit, because I need to teach you how to fight. i got to teach you how to fight. But friends, where is the battle? If Christ has already established our victory, who exactly are we fighting? Well, friend, the battle is here. Whose voice will we listen to? What is the soundtrack? See, it says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind or self-discipline. And the battle is here with that either the soundtrack of fear or God's voice. What is fear? Well, it says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 that fear is a spirit that doesn't come from God. Fear is the demonic stronghold that opposes our freedom. God did not give us fear. But what God gave us were the weapons to defeat fear, power, love, and a sound mind or self-discipline. So in the time we've got left together, I just want to talk quickly about these weapons that God has entrusted us with to overcome fear. Come on, are you with me? Am I losing you or are you with me? Come on, give Jesus some praise and I got to know that we're still engaged. See, our first weapon for defeating fear, not just fighting, but smashing fear to the ground, is power. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through to 31, when God creates man and woman in his own image and likeness. Do you know the first thing that he says about us? He has given us authority, dominion over all the earth. He gave us the mandate to go out there and to subdue the earth in the service of God and our fellow man. See, right there, before any mention of the serpent, before any mention of sin, we were given God's delegated authority here on the earth and a mandate to subdue the earth. Subdue means to bring correction to or adjust and bring things into line with God's purpose. 
So even before there was sin, we had a mandate to bring things that weren't in line with God's purpose into line with God's purpose. Right there, the inference was that there would be things around that weren't in line with God's purpose that he's now given us the authority to overcome, to subdue, and to bring them into line. You know, it was not Adam and Eve's responsibility or fault that there was a serpent in the garden. They were just responsible for the voice that they would allow to influence their heart. It was not God's people's fault that there were giants in the promised land. They just had to be accountable for who they would listen to and how they would use their authority. Friend, when the devil comes, because John 10.10 tells us that he will come with his demonic agenda, we have got the same choice Will we listen to the voice of evil, allow evil to influence our thinking, our feeling, and the choices that we we will make? Or will we listen to God's voice and subdue him, bring him into line with God's purpose? I don't have time to go into a lot of detail, but I know that there were people right here and there's been offenses and hurts, things done to you and said to you that were not right, demonic agendas and assaults on your character and the mandate that God had called you to. But you need to know you are not helpless. God has got, has delegated his authority to you. There is nothing that we will ever meet in our financial world, in our relational world, with our health, that we do not have the divinely delegated authority to submit and to subdue and to bring into line with God's purpose. This is just not Old Testament. This is New Testament. See, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's real, but I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. And I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the works of the enemy. Friend, you have got power. Do not allow your head to shift into that place of helplessness. Take up your power and beat fear. Give it a knuckle sandwich. Come on. The next form of power we have to overcome fear is is love. And you know, love can get a bit of a, a dodgy rap at the moment. You know, we can think that it's some kind of insipid sentiment that doesn't really mean a lot. But Christ's love is a fierce, unstoppable force that has already defeated death. It's already defeated sin. It's already overcome every power, every curse, every sickness, every stronghold against us. Christ's love is, it has no opposite. It's like the superpower that has no kryptonite. It is the knockout punch When we deliver Christ's love, the enemy cannot get up again. You know, I do work in Cambodia. We work with girls who've been rescued out of situations of human trafficking. Their stories are horrific. Tiny little girls subjected to the most black situations ever. And they're rescued. And the work we do helps them to stay safe, to make different choices so they don't go back to sexual slavery. And I remember at a retreat two years ago, there was a girl, she was 14 years old, and she was being brought into the meetings, but she could, she was lying down because she had a fever, and she had headaches. And in this one meeting, 
the leaders came to me and said, look, we're going to have to take her out because she's got a migraine. And she started like really screaming and making noises and disrupting the meeting. And I looked at her and, you know, I don't want to freak anyone out, but the devil is real. The spirit realm is real. I could see this snake-like creature coming out of her back and driving itself into the base of her skull. And I thought, oh, no wonder her head hurts. And I thought, geez, I've never actually delivered anyone from a demon before, but all right, Jesus, let's go. So I went over to her and I felt something brush past me and I knew it wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit even. I knew that it was Jesus. And I just thought to myself, just don't get in the way. Jesus went over to this beautiful young woman. I put my hand on her, but I don't even know if I prayed audibly. Jesus was with her, and in that moment, that demonic thing just left. She looked up, no longer fevered, in her right mind, and she said through the translator, Jesus has just healed me. I know it was Jesus because I could smell him. The interesting thing about that was this girl, I, I did not know a lot of her story. Part of the torture that she had experienced prior to her rescue was repeated electrocution. And an impact of that was she had lost her sense of smell and taste. One moment with Christ, not only did that demon leave, not only did healing come into her body, but she um, had her her taste and her sense of smell restored. One moment with Christ. She went out and ate a massive meal. One of the leaders said to me, she ate a lot. One moment with Jesus changes everything. The devil leaves, light enters, healing comes. It is finished. End of story. There's no comeback for the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. It has no opposite. But you know, God's love, it is also our motive. Because after so many years going to that place and experiencing really challenging things, I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm too tired. I'm too messed up. Jesus, this is too much for me. You need to give me a way out. Maybe you felt like that in a relationship or in a business or with your children or, or your family. Jesus, it's too hard. I'm too tired and worn out. Give me a way out. But, you know, Jesus didn't try and debate with me in any way. He just showed me a picture. He showed me an image of him just embracing one of these young women. And I just felt the tiniest glimpse in my heart of the magnitude of the love that he had for that young woman. And you know, it says in the Bible that perfect love casts out all fear. Friends, I want to tell you that Christ's love is flawless. There's no room for anything else in Christ's love. And I was not thinking about my fear in that moment. And God had my attention and Jesus said this one thing to me, will you be my hands and my feet? You know, Jesus loves people so much. He did not even balk at going to the cross. He allowed himself to be separated from God for that time, those three days. That is the magnitude of his love for us. His desire is for his victories to be demonstrated personally to everyone across the world. But Jesus does not walk the earth in flesh and blood form anymore. So he's asking us, will you be my hands? Will you be my feet?
Maybe you're here and you need a reason to keep on loving, to, to remain committed, to keep on serving. Jesus is saying, will you be my hands and feet? Can I be your reason? You know, Christ's love, it's also for us. It's not just for everybody else. I know that my, wherever I go, I just, if I follow Jesus, then he is delivering the victory. If I follow Jesus, then you know what? He is my motive. And I know that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. Christ's love is the reason why. There's no opposite to it. You know, the final weapon we have to completely annihilate fear is a sound mind, self-discipline, the ability to choose. You know, the devil tries to make us feel like we're crazy for, a, for believing that God has an abundant life for us. Makes us try to feel like we're ridiculous for thinking that we could ever have our marriage restored, that our financial world could ever turn around, that we could ever be a massive congregation right here in the inner city of Sydney. But you know what? The devil is a liar. And see, we have got the ability to choose. What soundtrack will I listen to? I get in the car with my boys. They want to listen to some whiny homeboy love songs. Sorry, I'm turning the, the channel. We've got the ability to change the channel. Change the channel. Maybe you hear anxiety, 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 fear, fear, fear. You are not a victim of that voice. You have got the authority, self-discipline. Come on, get some discipline. Change the channel. See, the devil is real. He has an agenda, but he does not win. Jesus is our champion. And the truth is the only one entangled in craziness and delusion is the devil. If he feels like he's going to beat us, because the truth is he is already defeated and under our feet. Come on, give me a shout of, give Jesus a shout of praise if you believe that. He's already defeated and under our feet. You might have seen this on the news a couple of months ago now. A great Australian surfer, Mick Fanning, competing in the Billabong Surf Classic in South Africa. He's innocently catching a wave and then all of the sudden, out of the water comes a great white shark. Life is full of unanticipated contingencies, right? What are we going to do? Well, what did Mick Fanning do? Does anyone know? He punched the shark. Come on. That's more like it. What did the shark do? It got out of there. It left. C3 Roselle, all it takes is a little bit of fight. Come on, give those sharks, give those giants a knuckle sandwich. I don't have time for you. I've got waves to catch, dolphins to swim with, an abundant life to live. If I can just have everybody bow your head and close your eyes. See, some of my story... I battled depression, eating disorders for a large section of my life. I was on medication for depression, eventually admitted to a psychiatric hospital. 
the psychiatrist told me in our fir the first assessment, we can keep you medicated. We can help you manage some of your symptoms, but we cannot cure you. You're going to have to learn to live with this darkness. But right in that moment, listening to that voice, there was another voice that spoke into my spirit, and it was the voice of Jesus. He said to me, Janine, you've tried everything else. Will you try me? And I said yes to Jesus. My life changed. See, the devil comes to rob, kill, and bring destruction. Jesus comes to bring abundant life. There is one doorway from death, robbing, destruction to abundant life. That doorway is Christ. There is no other way. The point of difference is Jesus. Right now there are people and you've tried everything else. You've tried being a good person. You've tried earning enough money. You've tried having enough status in society. You've tried being thin enough. You've, you've tried looking a certain way. But all of those ways have brought you nothing but that empty feeling in your spirit. And Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart right now saying, Oh, friend, you've tried everything else. Would you try me? He wants you to open that door to abundant life that cannot be contained. But he will not force himself upon us. So friends, right now with every head bowed and all eyes closed, if you know that Jesus is knocking on your heart saying, you know what, you've tried everything else, would you try me? I want you to raise your hand just on the count of three. Once, maybe once you've known him, but right now he's not number one in your heart. You've shut him out and that thief has come to you. There's one way back and it's Jesus. Maybe you are overwhelmed by fear and insecurity. There's one way to a, an assurance of your salvation. It is Jesus. So any person here in those areas, just on the count of three, if you know that you need Christ, I want you to raise your hand. If you don't know him personally, but you want to know him, that's one. If you've once known him, but right now he's not number one in your heart and you want to make him number one again, that's two. Or if you would like an assurance of your salvation, three. All over this place, front to back, lift your hand nice and high. I'll see it and then you can put it down. Where are those people? Thank you. Thank you. I saw that hand over there. Who else is there saying, that's me. I cannot leave this place the way I entered. Jesus, I need that abundant life that you alone can give me. Where are those people? Just lift your hand nice and high, sir. I see your hand, sweetheart. I see your hand. Who else is there saying, that's me? Friends, what we're going to do, yep. I just want every person just to look up at me just for a moment. Thank you so much, friends. Would you stand to your feet? There are about three or four people who raise their hands in that moment. And what we're going to do, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a line. I would love it if you would pray it after me. And if you raise your hand, someone is going to come and talk with you later. Okay, so let's pray this. Dear Jesus. Come on, let's pray it like we mean it. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross and paying the price for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ. You're the Son of the living God and you're my Saviour. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live every day in your presence. Jesus, thank you that I am saved. 
Come on, let's give Jesus a big, big shout of praise.